Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. Today we're talking about how to find your path forward during a period of uncertainty. We're joined by Shota Okajima, who practices in New Jersey and shares the story of how chanting Namyo Horenge Kyo helped him navigate tremendous anxiety about his path forward after college. Until then, Shota's identity had been entirely tied to his ice hockey career, but once he graduated and realized it wasn't a career path he would continue to pursue, he felt completely lost. I'll let Shota share the rest including interesting parallels between practicing a team sport and practicing Buddhism. Here's Shota. Uh, yes, uh, my name is Shota. I currently uh, live in Madison, New Jersey, uh, 30 years old, and I've uh, been uh, born into the practice uh, and uh, currently uh, working uh, as an actuary uh, at an insurance company and uh, happy to be here. Awesome, thank you for taking the time to talk. So maybe we can start with just the context of your practice itself. Um, if you don't mind sharing kind of the story of how you got introduced to the practice of SGI Nietzsche and Buddhism and essentially like why were you interested? What was going on in your life at the time? Got it. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was born into the practice. Uh, my mom uh, and my grandmother, on uh, my mom's side, she, uh, they started the practice back in Japan. And uh, um, I was, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in the SGI community uh, and I attended meetings when I was young. My mom would bring me to uh, the SGI meetings and I would also see her, you know, see her chant uh, at home, uh, but never really uh, understood what was going on I uh, just kind of went along with her, but uh, when I graduated from from college, uh, and when I was trying to find my path forward, uh, that's when I got a little bit curious about, uh, or kind of more desperate about how I can really find my path forward. So, uh, you know, my mother really encouraged me uh, to try chanting, and uh, I think another big thing that happened right after college was. Uh, my dad, he was working uh, in, at Japan, in Japan at the time, and, uh, and the rest of the family, were, uh, we lived in the U.S. here. So, um, you know, uh, my dad got kind of severely depressed back, back in Japan. Mm. Um, so uh, my mom encouraged uh, my sister and I to uh, start chanting uh, for... Uh, for your dad's recovery. So that was uh, another uh, kind of motivation to uh, initial kind of flame to start chanting. But uh, there was definitely some things kind of uh, boiling inside that uh, was seeking for, for a life philosophy. Mm, I see. Yeah. Uh, whoa, two big things. And I, I feel like um, whether or not you grew up in a Buddhist family that period of time after college tends to be the the big question marks. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I know we'll discuss a little bit more about both those aspects, but maybe um, 
if it's okay for me to ask just a little bit of context, um, you know, prior to this kind of moment, so you graduate from college, um, where was your head or like, what were your interests? You know, Buddhism was in your environment, sure. But like, what was like kind of Shota's interests in life type of thing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, my kind of main passion was was ice hockey. Uh, I started uh, roller hockey when I was when I was very young uh, in first grade, and uh, I just I really enjoyed it and just continued to stick with it. And um, I played roller hockey all throughout uh, elementary school and uh, middle school. Uh, in middle school, that's where I, I transitioned to ice hockey and uh, started to really take it seriously. Um, and uh, yeah, high school, uh, definitely played, you know, for my high school team. I uh, also uh, played for travel teams as well. You know, I had a really big dream to be able to, you know, play ice hockey in college. So uh, any kind of moment I had uh, just studying or uh, playing hockey, you know, practicing, playing games, watching hockey. So was was a real, you know, it still is a really big, big passion of mine. And uh, also kind of where I, de- you know, derived my uh, kind of identity and self-worth. I see. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And then you did go on to play in college? Yeah. So I, right after high school, I spent one year in, uh, in Canada near, uh, near Montreal, uh, played for a team there. Uh, and then uh, I think most, most hockey players that want to play uh, in college, they, they take uh, one or two years off uh, to play for team uh, and then rec- get recruited to uh, play for for a team in college. Uh, so I did that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that was the first time kind of away from home. Uh, was definitely a big challenge. Um, and it was also a time where I was really, you know, thinking long term about, you know, about my career uh, as a hockey player. Uh, and then afterwards, um, I, I couldn't land a position in any like division one school. So, uh, I decided to come back to Jersey and, uh, play for the kind of the local state team, uh, uh, in New Jersey. I see. Okay. And just, you know, for someone who maybe doesn't have any, any idea, like after, after having kind of a sports career like that in college, even if it's not a D1 team, like, is there a path to continue that professionally? Or did you know, like, okay, after college, I'm done? Yeah, I think everything I I did was to be able to play. So I would really work hard in class, you know, just so that I can, you know, freely play hockey on the weekends, we, you know, we travel as well. So um, all the, you know, motivation I had was, was geared towards being able to play. And uh, I think in terms of professionally, I think there were some paths forward, um, either playing abroad. Um, you know, there was even leagues in uh, where I was born in Japan as well. There are some semi-professional teams. Um, and I was, I think, more so pers- wanted to pursue that more so because I felt, you know, I still had passion, but it was more so 
because I didn't know what else to do. And uh, mm. so I was kind of holding on to something uh, just because I had no other, I felt like I had no other path forward. I see. Yeah. Wow. That's a interesting insight to have. I think sometimes people don't realize that that's what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Huh. I think uh, that was, um, that was kind of the period where I was really, you know, thinking of, is, is this something that I'm really passionate about and I want to really pursue? Or is it more of, yeah, I don't have anything else or kind of afraid to challenge something else. So it was really kind of really right after I finished my last game was kind of filled with that kind of anxiety and uncertainty of just constantly questioning what I wanted to do or should I pursue this? Should I not, you know, am I, if I'm going to pursue this, am I really passionate about doing that? So Mm -hmm. um, definitely a lot of, yeah, anxiety, uncertainty, uh, and uh, just kind of, yeah, deep, deep, you know, I guess unhappiness as a result of that. So mm. uh, it was, a, I think it was a really tough time for me. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, it's interesting. I was actually talking to someone who's kind of new to Buddhism recently, and they're a year out of, a year out of high school, but decided not to pursue mm. college right now. And it's like, it's like that dilemma, like, like, I don't even know what I'm good at. I don't even know where you would start, you know? And um, yeah, it's a very real feeling. I feel like it's maybe even worse now than when you graduated and when I graduated, given the state yeah. of the world, you know, to be out of high yeah. school or out of college. Um, I think so. Yeah. So, so maybe we can dig in a little bit to kind of the beginnings of your practice at this time. So just to, to recap a little. So you basically were introduced to Buddhism, you knew the Buddhist community, trusted the Buddhist community growing up, but then it's like this moment that you you graduate and your dad is, it sounds like, in a really kind of dire situation and you yourself are in a different kind of dire situation and your mom is like, you should chant? Or like, how do you remember kind of going from that state of like, okay, it's my last game, I'm filled with anxiety to maybe I should chant? Yes. Yeah, it was, uh, so it was, I think it was right after I graduated, uh, when my dad got, got sick and uh, my, my mom t- decided to, um, go to Japan to see him along with my sister. And, you know, before she left, yeah, she encouraged, uh, both of us to chant, you know, so, um, it was the first time I chanted for kind of a, a longer time than just like 30 seconds. I would just like <laughs> chant three times, you know? And uh, so, yeah, that's the first time I really chanted for more than that. And uh, that, so yeah, it was a time where I was just constantly feeling a lot of anxiousness. And, you know, those like the the moments that I chanted, that was like the first time I was, I felt I was kind of freed from that, from that feeling. Hmm. And uh you know, even though my dad was going through this difficult situation, I was able to really, you know, kind of find peace and uh, also hope. Uh, I felt a lot of hope when I was when I chanted and uh, just decided to keep going from there. And, um, you know, my mom would call me from Japan and 
you know, I, I think when she left, she, she didn't expect me to chant. So when I reported, I chanted. She was like, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, she was so surprised, uh, happily surprised. So, uh, and then it, it, I think it was a great transition point for me because uh, I felt like that was the moment where it, it became not like my, the family practice, but uh, my own practice that, mm. you know, I was kind of ready to fully uh, own. I see. You know, as my own. So. Yeah, yeah. That and so, were you like? I assume you also weren't active in like the community and going to meetings and all that kind of stuff either. So, what kind of? How did you you dive in? Because now I know it's like a huge part of your life. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, so thankful for that. Uh, so, yeah. So when my mom went to Japan, she brought uh, the Gonzon with her, which was which is a scroll. Uh, or the mandala we, you know, we chant Nam Horenge Kyoto. So uh, I needed my own Gohonzon. So that's when I got reconnected to my my local district, you know, just for the purpose of getting the Gohonzon, mm. you know, so that I can chant to it. And I was not, I was definitely not a big, uh, you know, community person. I, I think I'm pretty, you know, not really open to you know, uh, getting involved in the community, in the Buddhist community. So I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to get the Gohonzon and I'll be on my way. <laughs> uh, so I went to my district meeting uh, and uh, it was just an amazing experience uh, because uh, the, uh, the local members just welcomed me um, with such great you know, joy and, and happiness, asked me how I was doing, uh, really showed genuine care. And, uh, you know, particularly this, you know, the one person that uh, he, he opened, he would always open his house for, you know, these Buddhist meetings. Uh, and he was just so, so encouraging, so compassionate, you know, also very, very successful, you know, in, in his work and career. So I was I was just kind of drawn to uh, everyone's life condition they had. So um, I ended up kind of staying and uh, really enjoyed the the meeting, uh, the community. So yeah, it was it was, it was a really unexpected and uh, wonderful experience I had mm. going into my first meeting, uh, and uh, yeah, in a long time. So mm. I see. Yeah, I. I completely know the experience that you're you're describing of the the warmth that you feel from another person's kind of life um so at this point though in terms of like actually gaining any sort of clarity on what your next steps were you were just at the beginning right if i'm understanding correctly so you like started chanting you decided i'm going to be a little bit more involved and i like the community um do you remember though like what your sort of first breakthrough or turning point was in terms of this kind of anxiety that you were dealing with and like figuring out what to do work-wise and life-wise? Yeah. So I I took a part-time job, uh, as a, as a tutor, an SAT tutor. So, uh, just to be able to kind of get by. Um, and I was, you know, pretty, pretty unhappy with, um with the with that job just you know not getting along with uh my manager 
you know, um, feeling conflicted of what I should be doing or, you know, all my colleagues that graduated with me had, you know, great, great full-time jobs. So, um, so I was chanting about how do I really get to like the next step or how do I like find like that, you know, dream or passion job. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think what one of the great concepts of this practice was that I learned was, you know, you can, you can win exactly where you are with your current situation. So Mm -hmm. that, that concept really stuck with me. And I decided to start to chant a lot uh, in the morning, Um, started to go into work with a great, you know, high life condition, you know, rather than kind of complaining about my circumstances, I decided to just kind of throw myself into this part-time SAT tutoring job, Um, started to really build kind of great bonds with my manager and my coworkers. And uh, I started to kind of see, you know, myself kind of transform through that. And I started to really, really enjoy this, this part-time job. And uh, I kind of saw like the proof of this practice kind of, you know, with this experience of, you know, when you're able to really transform your own life state, you know, that, that kind of permeates externally. Mm. And then, uh, and that's when I kind of fell upon this current career I had as an actuary. Uh, You know, I was looking for something and, you know, my, my sister, she was uh, in college at the time, her roommate was, you know, in this major uh, pursuing actuary. I never even heard of that profession before. uh, And I was just able to kind of stumble upon that. So, but I, I feel like it was because, you know, I decided to really dedicate, you know, a lot of my efforts to be able to win where I was first, you know, and I I felt like that was what led to finding this career that, you know, I just heard about for the first time. And, and I was so surprised this was a career. So, Hmm. so yeah, it was a great experience. And for someone who might not know either, what, what does it mean to be an actuary? And like, what, what excited you? Yes. Yeah. So actuary is uh, basically you know, we use, you know, statistics uh, and, and math to be able to, you know, quantify risk. And usually we use this in uh, insurance, uh, but can, can, you know, can be applied to, uh, you know, many areas. So uh, and when I kind of look back, it was, you know, there was there was one class that I enjoyed in, you know, my uh, in my college courses, you know, about probability and you know it kind of like all tied together um and I was like oh I really enjoyed that you know in college I was one that was the one class I really enjoyed and this was like a career that you know really uh focused on it so that was um you know I felt uh you know a lot of you know a lot of fortune to be able to you know find this career and also you know, had some background as well in college. Mm. And did you have to go back to school for it? Yes. Yeah, so I went back. Um, so I think this career, you know, 
you have to take uh, a bunch of exams. So, but yeah, I also decided to, yeah, go back to get my master's. Uh, that was, you know, the next thing I started to chant about. Uh, you know, I was able to, you know, get into the master's program I wanted to in New York. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, a great experience. Uh, and uh, I think that was my first um, experience I was able to sh kind of really share with my Buddhist community uh, where, we're, you know, we had a place where we all share our experiences. So I was uh, so ex always I was so excited to kind of share my victory mm. uh, with everyone. So. Um, so, yeah. So once I once I graduate from my master's, you know, I was able to you know land a full time job. And, you know, that's where I work today. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for for sharing that whole story. Um, you know, there's two kind of themes that I'm hearing in what you're sharing that I'm wondering if we could like unpack a little bit because they they are kind of two important components of Buddhist practice. Um, the first is just this idea that you mentioned of like winning where you are. I feel like it's actually one of the hardest things to do. Like there's so many people, you know, myself included, like if you're in, in a situation that you don't like or an environment that you don't like, like the motivation to find the next thing is sort of like, I need to escape. Like I need to get out of here. I hate it so much. So like I need a new job yeah. or I need it, you know, but it sounds like that's not exactly how you approached it. So I'm wondering if you could share more, like, how are you able to get yourself to do that? If that makes sense? Yes, that's definitely, I think I still continuously challenge uh, each day, you know, there's definitely a lot of challenges in my current workplace too, that uh, I need to really reflect on and, you know, see what I need to do to be able to really win. So, but uh, I, I think that really goes back to uh, my career, you know, as a hockey player, mm. uh, I think it's, you know, has really helped me apply that, you know, through this practice uh, and being able to to win where you are. And one thing I, I really felt that really helped me connect, you know, me to this practice was, you know, this concept of, you know, absolute happiness and. I guess when I was really, you know, learning about this practice, um, you know, I came across this concept about relative and, you know, absolute happiness and absolute happiness, you know, is, you know, being so confident, you know, that you're able to win over any obstacle, mm -hmm. you know, so that was a, you know, that was a really great concept. And, and uh, I really started to view, you know, all these obstacles and challenges as, you know, as an opportunity for me to be able to become someone that's more confident, you know, have has more conviction, you know, and uh, really start to view this as, you know, like really my training ground to be able to uh, become become a better person, become, you know, become happy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, this practice really fit with me because you know, it's still, you know, it's not magic. I think you, you still have to really put in the, the work. And uh, and that really kind of resonated with me with, you know, playing hockey because, you know, you have to really, you know, train and practice uh, to be able to be a successful hockey player. So uh, I kind of applied that to this practice, you know, viewed each day as, 
you know, a great opportunity for me to really overcome obstacles. But I think what was different was, you know, with this practice, you're able to chant uh, to be able to bring out that life force to, to do that. Uh, so mm. this, this practice helped me really kind of uh, tangibly really, you know, um, bring effective change in my life. Yeah, that's really interesting. I had never kind of thought of it that way, but sort of like Buddhism as a sport. It's it it is yeah. actually a really good way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I always uh I think yeah, that hockey really helped. I think it just fit my values, you know, that it requires a lot of, you know, effort to be able to do that. But also like that kind of that team aspect too, like having a community is so important because you know, it's like you know, being in a team is, you know, you kind of help each other, you know, advance forward and kind of win together. So mm. that also, you know, having that Buddhist community was so, so crucial for me to be able to not, you know, when I would sometimes get frustrated or events not happening the way I hoped for, you know, there was like that community that was, you know, you know, was challenging the same aspects of their life so mm. the the community really helped me see on the right track yeah yeah that totally makes sense and that's um actually the the second thing I was going to ask about was yeah because that the kind of moment that you shared like you were so excited to share your victory of like I'm gonna do this program and like this is what I'm you know I'm challenging and they got in and that it's it, it like kind of points to this um other aspect of like when we're really struggling, I think especially when we're trying to figure out like our purpose or career or mission or whatever, it's like so easy to struggle alone. Like so many people, I feel like their struggle is like so much worse because they're struggling alone. And yeah. is was that something that was like easy for you though? Because, you know, for someone, I'm just thinking if someone's listening who's like really new and they're like, I, like I've never had that experience of, struggling through something with a group of people or like having a community and so to even be able to open yourself up that much and share like this is what I'm challenging and to the point that you're then excited and they're going to cheer you on you know it might be foreign for people so I'm curious yeah. like in the in your experience of kind of jumping into the Buddhist community um, what helps you do that or what, what was that part of it like? Yeah even in college I felt even though I was part of a team you know, I was just, you know, I didn't really, you know, get fully immersed, you know, with kind of my teammates um, and bonded. You know, I felt like, you know, I didn't really seek camaraderie. I was just more like I just wanted to be better, become better on my own, mm -hmm. you know, do the things I need to do. And um, so when I, you know, initially started the practice, I was just so determined, just like, all right, I'm just going to get my own victories, you know, just get my own happiness. Uh, and uh, so very, very selfish practice. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's, that was what was so amazing was I saw as I started to chant, you know, I saw my prayers started to kind of shift. It was just more so my initial prayer was I, I need to get into the school or I need to get this job, you know, and I think it, my prayer shifted to, you know, I want to get this job, you know, of course, for my own victory, but so I can really help, you know, maybe inspire other people 
or show proof of this, you know, practice to be able to encourage other people, you know, that they can also, you know, find, you know, a path forward, you know, or get victory. So mm-hmm. I, I think I remember that moment um, of my prayer really shifting. And I start to really understand like that concept of like, you know, of happiness or joy isn't just for yourself, but, you know, oneself and others. So I started to, through my own experience, I saw what, what that, you know, what that meant for my own life. And um, that helped me really stay connected to my Buddhist community. Also, you know, share the practice, you know, with other people. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, start to understand that concept of, you know, practice for self and others. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that was, that helped me kind of break through my own own shell of, uh, you know, connecting with others. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense and is such an important part of of Buddhist practice. Um it's not for oneself only or for others only. Like it's not sa- self-sacrificial yep. either. It's just it's both because yep. that's how life is. Yes. Um I really like this this kind of sports analogy. I really had never thought of it this way. So if you don't mind one one other follow-up in terms of the effort part, um yeah. So you mentioned earlier this there's this concept in Buddhism and you know for anyone who's new um in Buddhism we define happiness as either absolute or relative. So like you said, absolute happiness you're not swayed by your environment because you have confidence in your ability to go like overcome anything and then relative happiness is like when I get the job or when I have the relationship like it's circumstantially you're happy or you're not happy. Um but kind of like based on that you know the when you when you said that like the value of effort resonated with you because you were so used to that already um Mm -hmm. in buddhism like what is what does that effort look like you know like for someone who's like what do you mean like isn't buddhism just a philosophy you know but it's like actually something you can rigorously practice so if you could just sort of spell out for someone who's new like like what do you mean by effort to win where you are like what does that look like on a day-to-day yeah, that's a great question. I, I think that word, like practice, I think it fits so well when I when I started it. And uh, yeah, I, I think you know, for me, it was definitely you know chanting. You know, having a daily practice of chanting uh, in the morning, especially. Uh, I think being able to wake up early in the morning and and chant, and I really view that as like kind of putting on my gear, you know, it's like to really, you know, uh, be ready for the day. So, so I think that was, you know, really one aspect. And the other was, you know, really studying, you know, Buddhist concepts, getting to know, you know, more of the, of the philosophy, uh, and, uh, you know, how to really, you know, practice to be able to kind of maximize, you know, the, uh, the, the benefits and um, and then also really, you know, interacting with others. I think that was the biggest challenge for me because mm. I, I, you know, I, I always was, it was easy for me to, you know, practice on my own, even with, with hockey as well. You know, I, I, you know, sometimes, you know, during, you know, the weekend or, you know, I would just go practice, you know, on my own. I'd just find an outdoor rink and, uh, and practice. But, you know, this, this Buddhism, 
you know, what was so great in terms of kind of my own training was being able to really interact with others. Sometimes I would, you know, share, you know, Buddhist presentations that these meetings would, you know, always had. And, uh, and the other thing was to be able to, you know, share this practice with, with other people. Uh, I think that was something that, you know, helped me really open up, you know, my life. And, uh, you know, some people, you know, didn't really resonate with them. But I think, you know, some of my friends, they really resonated with that. And, you know, also eventually joined, you know, the practice. And uh, so I found deep joy in being, you know, it was definitely a big challenge for me, but kind of over overcoming that and be able to make those connections, I found just like deep joy that I was just really missing out on. So mm. yeah, that's, a, that's really helpful and also profound. Like it's, it's practical, but that is like the daily rhythm of, of Buddhist practice, all these components starting obviously with chanting. Um, so I, I'm curious, you mentioned study. So like also deepening your understanding of the philosophy and in meetings, like participating, presenting, and, and, you know, we have dialogues all the time. So kind of along the way, was there any kind of concept or quote or anything that stood out to you that you've held on to? Yes. Uh, uh, let me see. Sorry. Yeah, there was one quote that really, uh, so yeah, this, uh, this quote, I think really helped me during a difficult time when I was, you know, I, I was in my part-time job. I was also doing, uh, I was also taking my master's and um, was looking for my first very full, you know, full-time job as an actuary. Uh, was definitely a big challenge. You know, I actually missed the kind of the hiring window so I was, you know, really frustrated, you know, at the time. And uh, this quote from Daisaku Ikeda, uh, this is from The New Human Revolution, volume 24. Um, this really helped me through that process. And uh, he shares that uh, in your youth, you're often called upon to do the grunt work at your job and you frequently bear the brunt of the burden. You probably have very little free time for yourselves. But it's important to exercise your ingenuity and create time, make a genuine effort, and apply yourselves fully in your Buddhist faith and practice. Over time, those experiences will train you and foster the strength that is the underlying toughness you need to face all of life's challenges. This will eventually become your good fortune. That's why struggles are actually life's greatest treasure. So this yeah, this quote from, from Daisaku Ikeda really helped me kind of put it into perspective, you know, what I was, you know, challenging at the time and, uh, and really, you know, in kind of the long-term perspective, you know, when I, you know, at the time when I was kind of looking back at my life, you know, I, all I remember was those like difficult moments, mm. you know, whether that was like, you know, with hockey, uh, you know, with school. And I remember, you know, I had so much pride that I was able to kind of go through those difficult moments. And this was that kind of challenging time for me. So it gave me a lot of kind of courage and hope that, you know, if I really 
kind of persevere right now, you know, continue to, you know, apply my practice, you know, use, use wisdom to be able to find time to, you know, apply for jobs. Um, and uh, I think also this quote helped me, you know, kind of take it a little bit a step forward. You know, what, what was like, what can I do now to be able to, you know, spruce up my resume and uh, even though I was so busy, I decided to, you know, do this uh, kind of risk management competition. You know, I gathered like three of my classmates and kind of rallied them to like convince them like, hey, like, let's let's um, let's all get great jobs together by doing this <laughs> risk management competition. So, you know, I, I kind of rallied them. We did it. You know, we we did. We, we were we had no idea what we're doing. You know, and uh, but we, you know, we competed against other schools. We came in a pretty good kind of ranking. Uh, we had a great experience. I was able to put that on my resume, and then you know the kind of the interview started to really come in. So, mm. you know, I saw, you know, this, you know, this quote helped me kind of refresh, you know, and also put it into perspective what I was going through you know, gave me like a path forward and I was able to get like, you know, tangible benefits and results and, uh, and just really start to enjoy that experience, that hardship I had. Mm. So, wow. I love that. Yeah. That's such a great example of the ingenuity in that quote, you know, of like, well, what else can I do? Which I think yeah. it, like a lot of people, once you face that setback or you're like, Oh, I missed the the timeline. I have to wait till next go around. And then they just kind of feel like there's nothing you can do, but um, there's always something we can do <laughs> if we can tap into yes. it. I, I wanted fine. to just follow yeah. up on one more thing before I move to the closing questions. Um, yeah. Which is just going back to the piece about community. Um, no worries if not, but I'm just curious, like, do you remember any sort of turning point or like encounter or anything where it like solidified for you the reason that you are sort of participating in the Buddhist community like like what you described of just um being able to really open up like anything that comes to mind just to make it a little more real yeah so there's this person you know when I went to my first uh Buddhist meeting uh this person you know was practicing for you know a very long time and uh I immediately connected with them uh, and, you know, he really helped me kind of, you know, guide me in my practice. And when I got to know him more, you know, he started his practice, you know, at a similar age as mine, uh, you know, in the eighties and, uh, you know, also went through similar, you know, obstacles, you know, finding a job, you know, he also kind of went through a big breakup, you know, as well. And, uh, he, you know, he really used this practice to first find his like kind of path forward, his career, you know, um, he has, you know, has, he had a one, he has a wonderful family. Um, and, uh, you know, I was able to kind of see, you know, the, you know, what this practice can do, you know, mm -hmm. when you really, uh, you know, invest time and, you know, and uh, have a long-term perspective. I really learned a lot from him and, you know, he would also really, you know, check up on me from time to time as well. You know, he would call me and see how I was doing. You know, he would let me know of the next upcoming meetings. 
you know, guide me to the right, you know, direction, the right study material. Uh, and, uh, and he really showed genuine care, which, uh, which I thought was something that I wanted to really embody as well. Uh, and become a person that can really care for others too. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know that you do a lot of that now. Like that's the cool thing about a grassroots community. Everyone sort of plays the role of really giving and supporting, but also is able to receive that kind of support. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so that's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, and also the fact that like, I, I also forgot about this because people often ask like, what's the point of the community? And of course, it's all of this kind of support and opportunity to learn how to care. But you also just hear tons of experiences of like different people yep. who practice Buddhism. So you have like concrete yep. examples of pretty much anything that might happen in life. Someone's had an experience yes. about it. Um, so so I'll move to my my closing questions. And the, the first one is... Um, how you would define your own Buddhability, which of course is a word that we use interchangeably with enlightenment or Buddhahood, but yeah, how would you define your own Buddhability? And I do want to add to that, like specifically thinking back to what you shared in the beginning, like that moment of graduating and feeling like anxious and like, can I even do anything? Like, you know, to how you feel now seems so different. Yes. Uh, yeah, Buddhability uh, for me uh would would be just uh you know tremendous tremendous hope mm -hmm. you know hope is uh i realized was is so powerful you know i think when i was you know even though i was pursuing you know you know wanted to pursue becoming an actuary i wasn't fully 100% sure mm -hmm. but this practice helped me really give hope that if I really follow through on something, you know, I can, you know, uh, become happy. So, yeah, hope, I would say, and uh, hope and identity. I think those are the key, hmm. key things that come to mind. What do you mean by identity? I actually haven't heard that one before. <laughs> I think identity that you know i really tied everything to you know being a hockey player and that was just my identity for the longest time mm -hmm. so when i kind of graduated from college i i felt like i lost that you know and uh mm -hmm. what really this practice helped me realize was like you know you know hockey player is just just one part of me but you know there's more of like a, a core identity of you know who i am and that got me out of this anxious state. Oh, should I tie my identity to this this new career I have or this relationship I have? You know, so I was I felt like I was kind of fully liberated from, you know, that like secluded identity, but such a broader identity I have now, mm. you know, that ties all those things together. Yeah. Yeah, that's an awesome way to put it. It's almost like the question that we we began this conversation with that many people might have on like, like, what should I do with my life? It's like when you start practicing Buddhism, it it, it flips that question into who should I be instead of what should I do? Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so so my final, final question, um, 
which is how we end the show, is if you could give one piece of advice to someone who's listening who might be new to Buddhism and maybe has a similar life journey or path or questions that you did, what advice would you give? So what I would say is to, you know, you know, really challenge yourself to, you know, start chanting consistently, you know, for a month. Um, I think, you know, I think similar to, to hockey, you know, it definitely takes a lot of, you know, daily efforts. But, you know, when you really are able to, you know, chant consistently for whatever time you decide, you know, you'll really start to, you know, feel a difference in your own life and uh, really start to enjoy, you know, becoming, you know, someone that's more confident and, uh, you know, have that feeling that you're able to really overcome anything. But I think it really requires a lot of, you know, daily, daily efforts, but also, you know, don't be discouraged, you know, and, uh, you know, have a lot of, you know, patience with the practice, but uh, mm. you'll definitely overcome, you know, any obstacle you know, with this practice. Shota's journey felt like such a clear example of what happens when we chant Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. It doesn't free us from having to put in hard work to take steps forward in our life, but it does give us access to the courage, energy, creativity, and compassion that resides deep within our own lives already. I also loved that Shota's journey began with simply feeling hope amidst the anxiety. So, along these lines, I'll leave you today with the following excerpt from Daisaku Ikeda's poem, Hope is Life's Treasure. He writes, Hope is a jewel that inspires and uplifts. As long as we have hope, we will never be deadlocked. In the words of the admirable Wangari Mathai, the Kenyan environmental activist and friend whom my wife and I will never forget. Hope is like a flower, which, when it blooms, does so no matter what mood it's in or who is watching. It always gives its best. We can, too. As always, if you have questions or would like to get connected to your local Buddhist community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.